Before we get started, I need to thank a new Patreon patron. Thank you, Dan Cullen, for becoming a patron of the original cast, and you have joined at the best time possible because 2023 is the year of Barbara over at the original cast of the movies, our patrons-only podcast. Every month, we're going through a different Barbara Streisand film with some of your favorite past guests from the original cast. What have we done so far? Well, we did Funny Girl in December. January, we kicked it off with The Mirror Has Two Faces. And then this month, February, we're doing Hello, Dolly! with Mark Panani and Sophie Shulman. I have opinions about this movie. You might be able to guess them. Sophie and Mark were horrified. That's not true. We had a wonderful time. It was a really great episode. I'm looking forward to keeping going. Next month in March, we are talking about The Prince of Tides with Carrie Ginsburg and Jenna Duncan Place. You're going to absolutely love it. Go to patreon.com slash originalcastpod, support the art that you love, and gain access to the original cast of the movies in 2023, the year of Barbara. All right, here's the show. Whenever my world falls apart, I never lose hope or lose heart. Whatever the form of the storm that may brew, not with you to lean on, darlings, you. Hello and welcome to The Original Cast, a podcast about original cast albums and the people who love them. I'm Patrick Flynn. My guest today is a writer and an actor, and she used to believe that Annie Get Your Gun was a sequel to Annie in which the titular orphan goes back to the orphanage with a vengeance. It's Liz Wasser, everybody. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Thank you for being had. It is lovely to to meet you in person. We we uh, we have corresponded on Twitter. Um which is still sometimes a good place to correspond. Uh, yeah, it's amazing. It's, it, feel, it feels um, it, it feels very nice to um, in the midst of the dumpster fire that is yes. that website to find a to find a real you know, one. Um, find fun so, people. Yeah, absolutely. People, it's yeah. great. And 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 the music theater people they find each other. I find on the yeah. On the there's Twitter. there's a homing signal that I think happens um, probably starting around middle school. You could find sure. another theater person. You could find it. Oh yeah, you know, you yeah, know when you found miles. your own. Um, yeah. And then when I asked you to be on the show, and you told me what you wanted to talk about, I knew I had chosen. <laughs> I had chosen well <laughs> to ask you because you're here to talk about. You're in town. not the place not no. the place important distinction uh so i will i will start at the beginning how did you're in town come into your life i've seen when i was in high school you're in town was on broadway um i'm from new york originally so i would take the train into the city and we would go to the tkts the tkts booth um and get rush tickets um feel very adult um <laughs> and um I, one day, Town was available. I had heard of it. Um, I, I was about, I was like 13, 14. And at that point, I still took musical theater very, very seriously. I was, I was a very serious um, pre-bat mitzvah musical mm-hmm. theater student. Um, but um, I've always been into into comedy um and so it's like yeah let's let's go see you're in town um me and my friends and it was a revelatory experience for me um it was really great i ended up seeing it i think three times while it was on broadway yeah which um i hadn't done since you know the whole i was one of the rent teenagers as well sure so um it, it was um probably being 13 um it was probably good to switch here in town into the rotation every every once in a while um but yeah that's how i that's how i found it well that's dark for a 13 year old too like that's not you know oh it's a dark show yeah it's a dark show (laughs) 
Yes. Yeah. I thought you were like, it's really dark that a 13 year old goes into the city just to go. No, 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 no. I mean, it's not not dark. Um, No, there. Yeah. (laughs) It was was the early 2000s. We we, we were, you know, we were we were living. It was a different world back then, you know, world. Um, Disney had just come to Times Square and (laughs) Giuliani had swept out all the unhoused people with one of those big canes. Um, Yeah, it was great. Um, And yeah, you're in town, I guess. It is dark subject matter for a kid. Um, And I think one of the reasons why it was such a revelation to me was I felt that it was dark subject matter. Um, I wouldn't say I understood the perils of capitalism necessarily, Um, (laughs) um, but also knew that something was happening and that it was a really good musical first. Um, Mm. Before it was like, this is about dark subject matter. Um, It was, I mean, because again, I was also seeing Rent. So, I mean, right. <laughs> it felt a little light and fluffy, but there was something about the fact that it it was such a beautiful synthesis of just really solid musical theater comedy and really solid book writing and a great score and also belly laughs and also bits. And also it was talking about all of this other stuff um, about wealth disparity. Yeah, listening to it, to, to talk to you, re-listening to it, I was struck. I mean, obviously I'd heard it before. We've done it on the show before. I'm very familiar with it. But I was really struck by like, man, this this would do gangbusters today. I think this might have been like <laughs> wildly out of place in. I mean, it is a victim of timing in a certain way, even though it did run for three years. I mean, it did very well. Yeah. And won and won a couple of Tony Awards, including score and book, um, and was well regarded. It, it it did come out like literally opened the week after 9-11. It mm-hmm. it was a different, it was a tricky time for theater all over. And but I think one of the reasons this did have legs is because, like you say, it is a good show first. It's a good, like it's an entertainment first. And then yeah. in there. Right, right under, I mean, not even under the surface, it's on the surface, is this like incredibly dark, weird story about not not just the perils of capitalism, but just sort of the perils of being alive. Like, it, there's, right. you know, like, it's just. And it, laughing at it and being like, sometimes oh it sucks God. to be a person, right? Let's right, yeah. About it, um, which was so, because I'm that weird. Like, I, that's my. <laughs> You know, I mean, like that, that really spoke to me, even as a kid, I was, there was something about how happy they were about how much life could suck sometimes. And Mm -hmm. like the the humor there. And I'm sure, I mean, I don't know if you could tell from the everything about me, but I'm, I'm Jewish. And I think that's a very, (laughs) that's a very like a New York Jew, like, Mm -hmm. yeah, let's laugh about um, how everything's crappy. Um, it just felt really, really right and new. And I was thinking about this as well, about how well it would do today, because mm-hmm. how much the national conversation has shifted since it came out um, post 9-11, when, of course, no one was really talking about um people were just trying to get by day to day. No one was really, really um, going deep into, you know, sociology. I don't know. Is that what it is? I'm not a scientist. Well, yeah. yeah. I mean, it was certainly the time for rough conversations about things like socioeconomic status of like had, well, it's not that it was passed. It just got pushed to the back for, for a exactly. little while. Luckily for socioeconomic status, um, it was right. pushed to the side. And, That's right. Because uh, everything I, was fine. Everything was fine because we loved each other. I think yeah. that um, I was thinking about how well it would do today and about why why I thought that. And I was trying to really be critical of myself, which again is something I do very well, but (laughs) 
I was wondering if it was partially because I am now an adult um, and I was a very sheltered Long Island kid, you know, who would buy urine town tickets with her bat mitzvah money. And mm -hmm. if maybe I am just more aware of how kind of, I guess, I, I don't know if I would have recognized the nuances when I was that age, but also in that world. And of course, anything, any really, really good theater that is of its time will feel like it's ahead of its time mm -hmm. um, because they will be the first person to do it. And everyone will say, wow, thank God someone said that. Um, that's so ahead of its time. But, um, and I really don't know. I really don't know if it, I think it's probably both, but I also think that I would have, in, I enjoyed Town very differently five years ago, very differently 10 years ago, very differently when I was a teenager. And I think also that's because the world has shifted so dynamically in the past five years or so as well. Um, and it's great because you come back to it and it says something different to you and about society. And those songs are still a bop. Like, <laughs> I mean, I could not stop listening to the cop song this week. I could mm -hmm. not believe how much my shoulders were still shaken and um, how much I'm sure people on the subway love to watch me, you know, <laughs> my, I mean, I was wearing a mask, but my eyebrows were certainly Dropping like, you know, dancing sure. up and down. Yeah. So it's just, just a good-ass musical. Yeah, it really is. And the, the other thing I, I thought about it, though, as I was thinking how well I thought it would do today as opposed to 20 years ago, is also how this is going to sound depressing, and I'll have you explain the plot to the audience in a second who don't know. It was a, some points a little too real, I'll be honest. It was a little mm -hmm. not as fantasyful as I once perceived it to be even like five years ago um mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and that was depressing as hell but like you say it it's so funny and so good that it doesn't matter i enjoyed the hell out of it every every time i listened to it uh, yeah there are no skip tracks i realized too. no, like, there's no absolutely not yeah it's there are no clunkers in urine town everything is very intentional very funny um it was really fun revisiting it i had a lot of fun with it it, it really was yeah i did notice that because i listened to these albums three times before i talk to my guests usually and in listening to them three times i discover skip tracks because you always do because you go oh god like i gotta hear this song again this was not yeah not not a single one they were all good they were all funny uh they were all enjoyable and i think it's a really good idea oh uh that they put the love ballad way at the beginning <laughs> instead of yeah. way at the end, because at the beginning when they sing "Follow Your Heart," I'm 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 there I'm there for the comedy, but also the heart of it. two hearts can speak as one i didn't either and then they kind of let that sustain all the way through i mean run feed em, run is a is the sort of like power ballad i guess of the show but yeah it's it's a fun group gospel number instead of like like a saccharine sort of love song late in act two which is a really clever yeah idea. they're like yeah i think that that's the momentum build is very smart and i didn't think about that because i usually i skip the love ballad off as well um and we all do established... it's fine. we all do yeah, yeah <laughs> listen we guys it's, it's time we we talk about it we talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> where is my national prejudice? conversation yeah 
about ourselves that no one likes the late act two love ballad on the album in the show you need it on the album i'm not listening absolutely where's my prejudiant musical about how we don't need act two love ballads um let's let's have the real conversations Um, no, no but i think you're right they establish because because the show is also so much about and maybe i'm getting maybe i'm getting ahead of our conversation but the show is as much a love letter to musical theater oh, as yeah. a as a form as anything else so they know you go in there they don't have to really establish these tropes they don't really have to establish the relationships you see the rich girl and the poor boy obviously they're going to fall in love let's sing the love song make it funny and that'll just be there for the rest mm-hmm. of the show. We we don't have to take the tempo down much ever nope. again, really. Yeah, it's very smart. So I think that it is important so that everybody knows exactly what we're talking about. <laughs> if you wouldn't sure, mind, sure. do you think you could summarize the plot of your town for the audience? Sure. Um, I don't, I mean, I don't want to load them up with too much exposition. Oh, very nice. Thank you. When you say what it's, because it's about so much more than the story, right? But essentially, it is a kind of a a musical about the haves and the have-nots that I believe I read was inspired by when the composer was in Europe and saw like a pay-to-pee toilet. Yes. Um, And... So it's about this dystopian future in which the wealth disparity is out of control. A private company owns all of the public toilets, so you have to pay to use the restroom. And Bobby Strong, um, mm-hmm. the our hero, um, works for the public toilets. Um, his father i mean is that where you start with the plot do you start at the actual plot of your in town or do you start with lock stock and sally yeah introducing your in town yeah it's so hard to say because like you said this there is a lot of plot in this show mm-hmm. but like you said a few minutes like a minute ago it, it doesn't really matter because it's about so much more than the plot and right you know, the basic conceit being that there's a drought, there's no water. So since there's no water, all the toilets are under the control of this one company and the government. So you yeah. can't like, you can't just go in the woods. That's illegal. And right. every law has the same punishment, <laughs> basically. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you break the law. There's one consequence. One consequence. You are sent to urine town, uh, which nobody knows what it is nobody knows where it is and nobody but nobody wants to go there and everyone is very afraid of it it is an idea that is useful um for the people in charge is which again you know listen Mm -hmm. talk about (laughs) yeah very scary idea yes Um, we do and i think the reason in case if you're still listening and have not seen you're in town, first of all, thank you. But also <laughs> one of the reasons you have trouble when talking about the plot is because you don't really, there is so much you get through before getting to the plot, which is mm-hmm. introducing the convention of your right. town, the musical. And so the, there is officer Lockstock who is one of the, uh, who is the law in Urinetown, the enforcer. And then there is little Sally, who's kind of his foil um, right. and played by um, a talented adult woman, it, it should be said. Yes. Um, yes. These are, um, and talking about the fact that it is a musical, addressing the audience directly and saying, you are in, you're in town, the musical. Right. And saying, we don't want to load you up with too much exposition. Um, because that will kill a musical, Um, which is how all this information about the government and the drought is introduced, which is just so brilliant, because by the time they're done talking about too much exposition, you know everything that you need to know. And I believe the track is actually called Too Much Exposition. It is. It is called Too Much Exposition. (laughs) Yeah, and it's it's great. And, And throughout the show, these direct 
um, addresses to the audience are there to catch you up. And it doesn't feel clunky because they set up the convention immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, and just the, um, the dialogue between little Sally, who is poor and cannot use the restroom and is always trying to collect her pennies to pee, um, and this bumbling kind of baritone cop um, who, again, actually that is something I think might not read as well today. Like, is it funny for the cops to be like bumbling and goofy or is it like, well, ooh, that cop is bumbling and goofy. But he's also like one of the brilliant things about this show is that he is a bad guy. Like, right. Officer Lockstock yeah. is not a good person and he never he never becomes a good person. You know what I mean? He never, he doesn't have a great awakening. Like when, so like just to catch everybody up. So they have this thing. And then what happens is our our hero, Bobby Strong leads a revolution against the urine good company uh, and convinces Hope who is the daughter of the guy who owns Cladwell, Caldwell B. Cladwell, which might be the greatest greatest character name in history. to, and he 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 overthrows the company. They get rid of of Cladwell, and Bobby is also killed in the revolution and becomes a martyr to the cause. Hope takes over, and they win. And then everybody almost dies because the drought continues and everybody starts peeing all the time, and so they run out of water. And it, and that's sort of how it ends. That's, it, so yeah, that's the plot. Let's never right. discuss it again. No, um, right. but. But the thing is, with the end, after this revolution is led and Bobby um, is, well, he goes to Urinetown, which, right. of course. Um, That's is, true. Again, he is arrested and sent to Urinetown, which we find out means. Sent to Urinetown, which is, you know, because by Act 2, <laughs> and in fact, I believe in the opening track, when Officer Lockstock is introducing the show and the convention, he says... It's kind of a mythical place, you understand? A bad place. A place you won't see until Act Two, and then... Well, let's just say it's filled with symbolism and things like that. When Bobby is arrested, he is thrown from the top of a building and says, Urinetown is death, and Officer <laughs> Lockstock says, that's one interpretation. Right. Um, <laughs> It's so good. First of all, I guess, spoiler alert, but it's so... Well, that's fine. I don't... The musical's 22 years old. We can spoil the ending, I think. That's fine. uh, (laughs) This isn't the mousetrap, you know? We can can do that. (laughs) Right, right. Um, But all that to say, after all of this happens, and you see that just as Caldwell B. Cladwell said, the convention of Urinetown actually did keep people in line. It's a, that's really the darkest thing. Yes. Is that, is that it's always capitalism all along. Like everyone knows capitalism is always the villain really, but in the end it's like, yeah. And also we had water at all. There was a drought we had to conserve. It's basically (laughs) at the end, it ends up being like, works but it's also a a throwaway it's because they had already sung the finale there's this beautiful finale led by hope called i see a river and how (laughs) how love and hope and um just trust in each other is going to lead them to the promised land sisters and brothers fight for the river fathers and mothers babies too It wasn't long before the water turned silty, brackish, and then disappeared altogether. As cruel as Caldwell B. Cladwell was, his measures effectively regulated water consumption, sparing the town the same fate as the phantom Urinetown. Hope chose to ignore the warning signs, however, preferring to bask in the people's love for as long as it lasted. What kind of musical is this? The good guys finally take over. 
starts falling apart? Like I said, little Sally, this isn't a happy musical. But the music's so happy. I think the fact that it ran as long as it did, and I think, in fact, if I remember correctly, it could have run longer, but another show was slated for that mm-hmm. theater, yeah. which is what actually ended the run. And it was called Urine Town. Yeah. Like it really, it, it's a title that gets your attention, obviously, but we also forget that before Urine Town, at least I forget, musicals weren't as self-aware and tongue-in-cheek, at least not what you would see on Broadway. Like there was Forbidden Broadway, which is different because Forbidden Broadway is straight up parody it didn't have a a narrative um but the whole self-aware kind of satire that is commenting on the thing but also doing the thing i feel like is something that everyone has tried to every comedy or many of them have tried to recapture since you're in town and no one has really done it as well but i feel like a show called Urine Town would sell now just because of the the interest of the title. But back then, mm-hmm. Urine Town was the first Urine Town. So the fact yeah. that, and also before social media really was really yeah. a thing, that word of ma- I mean, three years to fill a Broadway house is a really long yeah. time. Like that's absolutely. So I think that's really interesting as well. Um, yeah, it's it is one of those like it is remarkable that it 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 did as well as it did for when it came out for all these reasons. There's so many like they list them at the beginning, all the things that are stacked against it. And, <laughs> and I think but you 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 really t- tapped into something there because it was it was riding a crest that w- that was just starting, which was this weird phase from like 2000 to like 2013 where every musical had to be self-aware you mm-hmm. couldn't have a musical that was just a musical it was something that the producers didn't start it but it sort of exploded it in a really like mm-hmm. direct way and you're in town is just a year later and had actually you know run off broadway and had been workshopped and like was was working but it was in that it was in that vein, you know, that was sort of going up to like peak probably around Drowsy Chaperone and then crest down for Book of Mormon and then, and then you know, go from there. And it, it just, I, I think that can helps its success is the fact that like self-aware musicals are really hot and like, here's one ready to go. And as we keep saying, it's really good. So it helps. And it's like, not just, that's just one of the jokes is, is the fact that it's like, it's a musical. That's, that's only one of the jokes in the show. Right, right. I mean, and it's funny that you mentioned the producers because of course it was around that time and I I was thinking what I was kind of thinking the state of parody and satire and Broadway and like what I remember about it. Um but the producers is also a very I, I mean, the produce, I mean, I don't want to get into the producers, um, the, but the movie and the, like the movie, I feel like is a lot more, um, a lot more self-aware than the musical. And then there's mm-hmm. a lot of like the musical of the producers. I think one of the reasons that it could have some of its like, like I said, there are no clunkers in town. I think there are maybe a couple of clunky moments in the producers because it's trying to do this genuine musical theater thing. And it doesn't mm-hmm. perfectly scan necessarily. Um, but you're in town because it's not an, first of all, not an iconic movie that everyone knows by heart, but, um, there's no, it's very hard to be self-aware and also be as genuine as you need to be in musical theater Yeah, and make it work. Um, which is why just the narrative device of Lockstock and Sally is so smart as well, because they're, they kind of say right off the bat isn't musical theater like kind of ridiculous mm-hmm. and and then you're off yeah but yeah it's really it, it that's a very astute observation about the producers that like the producers fails when it's trying to be real like that's when mm-hmm. it really doesn't it doesn't work and it's one of those things that like as, as you said that it really made me realize how much like the shows like try to deal with that and like like i mentioned Josie chaperone deals with it by having the character we empathize with um, outside of the show. So it's the yeah. man in the chair. 
he's our he's our we, we are empathizing with him and his love of musicals that's what like that's what takes us in so the show doesn't ever have to be for real and then book of mormon does it in a really kind of twisty weird commenty way where it like it has <laughs> moments of genuine but it, it sort of it keeps all of its genuine character development at arm's length with songs like i'm gonna baptize you like it's really the right. joke is over is getting us through the emotional development and but like what this does the the framework of you're in town consisting of like being so cartoony and so uh so a bigger than life and then adding the musical on top of that and then adding you know lock stock and sally to kind of every now and again pop in and be like well here we are like let me just recap <laughs> what's going on let me tell you what what the situation is uh gives it like it, it lets it have it both ways in a real way so because by the end it's so you're just i don't know how you feel at the end of this you're just like oh my god like that was really something we just watched it was right. funny i i enjoyed it on balance but man that was that was something i don't know what that was but it was definitely something yeah i think that one of the reasons i saw it several times as a kid was because i kind of needed to yeah. i kind of needed to be like wait I don't, I mean, and of course, I, I was lucky enough to be able to do that. Right. Um, because I was able to get, you know, rush tickets at the box office and take the train in from Long Island and do all of these things. And I recognize that's a very, it would be pretty sad if I, if I was talking about you're in town and I was like, and then like, I had to take the train into the city and get right. the just totally unaware of my own privilege. Um, but I had to get off at Penn Station. Do you understand? I had to, I had to transfer <laughs> at Jamaica. Um, oh wow! Oh look at you! That's the big thing. Look at you! Oh my gosh! I mean, it's only a matter of time before I bring up transferring at Jamaica after I meet someone. I guess we're at that that point. But I had to listen, transfer at Jamaica. I had to transfer at Jamaica. Listen, we're all hey. we're all negotiating our childhood trauma in different ways. The struggle is real. No, that's the true. struggle is is very the real. Is real. But um, <laughs> I think, yeah, I, I had to see it again because it's, there are moments that are so successful musically and comedically and bit-wise, and then so brilliantly they leave you in this really nihilistic place at the end. And I was so, it's like kind of, and it is kind of a parody of that because it's a parody of Three Penny Opera and right. um, that kind of thing. And so it's the very, I can't believe I'm going to say this and sound like the worst, um, most obnoxious theater kid in the cafeteria, but it's kind of like, it's Brechtian in that way, right? It's like, we want you to look at this thing. <laughs> right, but you mean that in the in the correct way. You don't mean that in the way that most people mean when they say Brechtian, which really <laughs> generally so means it sucks. Like that's what like right. when people, people often use Brechtian as a, like the way they use atonal, like incorrectly to be like, oh no, it's intentionally hard to watch. Like, no, 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 no. What your, 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 your Cliff's Notes version of Brecht is incredibly in, in wrong it's, here. Hang it's not, yeah. And it's like also my, my, my understanding of Brecht is also very much the Cliff's Notes version. I've just like gotten really good at <laughs> when and where faking to throw it, it right? in and faking it. <laughs> That's all theater majors are. They just tell you how to That's work being a theater major. Um, but yeah, I think the, the whole not leaving you with a sense of closure and mm -hmm. this musical thing just happened. Obviously, it's funny and it's intentional, but it's also very successful because yeah. it did make me keep thinking about it. And it did make me go back and see it again for the comedy and the music. And also, wait, what happened at the end? Who is Malthus? Like, who, like... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> going home, like, with the dictionary. Who after... is this person? Yeah. Who is... What is yeah, happening? And it was, well, yeah, and we didn't have a machine in our in our pockets to Google it. And right, to look that up. All yeah. of these things, yeah. It it's really a it is it is the kind of ending that makes you immediately want to watch it again because you're like oh mm -hmm. that's the show I was watching hang on I have to start over again so I can watch it properly I know like right. now that I know where it's going I want to see the journey again I want to see like oh now how does it look different now that I know I know what you're in town is and I know what the conclusion is 
which is that everybody ends up in urine town, but it's the real urine town. It's like the physical place instead of <laughs> this ethereal thing that Officer Lockstock sings about uh, in and what because, is yeah, which is just <laughs> such a fun. What is urine town is is one of my like. It, it, that that is the one that I go back to over and over again. That really, really yeah. makes me laugh. It's so good. I was listening to that one today, and there was one incremental moment musically where I'm like, "This is," and it's still killing me because I haven't figured it out. But it was from a song at Temple that we used to sing. What is your in town? Your in town is here. It's the town wherever people learn to live in fear. So look around, you finally found the place you asked about. For you're in town, is your town if you're hopeless, down and out. For you're in town, is your town if you're hopeless, down and out. For you're in town, is your town. If you're hopeless, down and out, 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 out. Like it's very much like a, um, you know, it, it's almost fiddler in it, mm -hmm. which you know sure. they play, yeah. which of course they play with in the in the song. Um, right. But it's so, it's so good, and it's such an earworm, and. Mm -hmm. It's so, like a kid at, what did he say? People hear lots of things about Urantown, of course, and that's just the way we like it. For example, a little boy once asked me, is Urantown actually a nice place to live? Gingerbread houses along golden, frothy canals, like Venice, only different? I didn't say yes. I didn't say no, either. Well, that's what I mean, but going back to like, the question of whether it would work today or not is, is like with, with Lockstock not being a good guy. I mean, he kills our hero right. and is unrepentant and is also the one at the end of being like, I mean, Cladwell was keeping everybody alive. He was kind of a bastard, but he was keeping like, he's the reason it was, his plan worked. So, yeah. and it really becomes an argument ultimately to me at the end against extreme points of view because mm -hmm. like Cladwell is not right. He his he was, you know, he created a, a tiered structure to make sure that he and those he cared about were always completely fine and that everybody else would be scraping by. And then Bobby and Hope come along and they just open it up. And it's like, no, 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 everybody have everything. And it's like, well, no, hang on. You can't do that either because then we run out of everything. So there has, there is a middle ground here that you're both completely ignoring, which... I love that Lockstock says that he's like when the when the warning signs prevent so hope ignored the warning signs in favor of praise from the, from the, right. the people and it was yeah. like yeah that's bad that's a dangerous populist thing to do also that's, that's not, not great, great. Yeah, leading to my my favorite moment in the show which is when Bobby's mother dies at the end of the show and she says such a fever if only I had a cool, tall glass of water, maybe I'd have a fighting chance. But don't you see, Mrs. Strong? A glass of water's inside you. It always has been. It has? Of course it has. Don't you know what you are? A river? That's right. We all are. They, they, because it does this great thing. The show, I mean, the best thing to me about this show is that all these people are so stupid. They're just <laughs> so dumb in the best comedic way because they're not actually unintelligent. What they are is nobody except uh, Cladwell has thought this through all mm -hmm. the way to the end. No one has sat down and been like, okay, let's analyze this problem out. And now his result is is evil, but like he's the one who's thought this all the way through to the end. Everyone else is just living in the moment. The way to that the... Also, the music is just so soaring and beautiful at that moment as well. And mm -hmm. you see Hope kind of, I remember the actor just looking out into the audience with like her chin held high, um, being very much the thing that you recognize. And then Sally, and then little Sally says, 
wait, that's the end? But the music is so happy. <laughs> right. <laughs> and Officer Lockstock just goes, yes, little Sally, yes, it is. So what was your 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 uh your theatrical journey like post you're in town? How did that influence you in your performance and writing career going forward? I think I mean I was always interested in comedy. When I say that I used to take when I was a kid, I took musical theater very seriously. I took my craft very seriously. Mm-hmm. But I but I mean I always loved musical comedy. I think that going forward I became a lot more interested in the convention of things and why it was successful to comment upon the convention of musical theater. Like that, that became very interesting to me. And I think that ultimately that's what got me. I, I don't think it was necessarily just you're in town that did it, but because they comment the whole time about like why jokes work. And of course there's also just the regular slapstick performances that are, that are really good in the show. Mm-hmm. I think that got me more into, I mean, I started doing, um, I, I went to um, a theater, a theater camp the next summer, the summer after you're in town and I, the summer after you're in town, the summer after I like right. town, And I, doing like a lot of improv I was in the improv troupe and I think it's it, it it became less about going on the journey and more about how can I like affect this journey for people like how do I influence it and I think I think I always saw theater as kind of something that happened to you and an experience you felt and you went along for the ride and I became a lot more interested in making the ride I think. Mm. Um, and I think, again, it, it was it was a bunch of things. Um, but in that summer that I started, um, that I met, I finally met other theater people and kind of moved away from um, <laughs> moved away from like the Long Island of it all. And I realized I was funny. Um, whereas, you know, at school, I was a I was the weirdo. But amongst other theater people, I was the funny person. And I think that that I think that seeing you're in town, finding my voice or starting to discover that I could that I could manipulate an experience that sounds so evil that I could manipulate an experience. I'm very I'm very Caldwell Cladwell, but um I think that it just made me appreciate it in a different way. I think that right around that time in my life, I found out like what made comedy so powerful. Um, Mm -hmm. And that people, that people listened when it was funny, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, because you're in town, like we keep on saying, it really is about how the fear of something, um, kind of leads you to become the nightmare that you were <laughs> fearing the whole time, which is mm-hmm. like, you know, they all end up in urine town because they tried to avoid urine town. And we're still talking about that because it's couched in all of this silly humor. And that's such a powerful thing. People, people listen to you, people value you when um, you're funny. And I don't think I think that that remains very interesting to me is why things, why people find things funny when they find them funny. There was something so magical about being in the audience for You're in Town and watching those actors share those moments with the audience, like that kind of communal experience that was just, I mean, every time I went, I was laughing so hard I was crying, even when I knew the bits were coming. Mm -hmm. And there was something that I think the what I think that you're in town does um, really well is they were like consistent with the bits and the comedy. Like they never, they never put a hat on a hat. They never, mm-hmm. which I mean, I don't know. I have seen a couple of productions of you're in town that were not as successful because they were trying 
they weren't playing it genuinely. They yeah. weren't playing it as people. They weren't they weren't fully realized characters. They were commenting on how ridiculous it is, but you don't have to because the content does that for you. And yeah. so none of that, they were just so good at being consistently like there and present and funny. And there were definitely moments that were spontaneous, but it was never pushed to a point of feeling cringy. Mm -hmm. And it always felt so just so immediate and you could just, everyone in that theater was having so much fun. Mm -hmm. Everyone was having so much fun from the, um, from the, I was going to say the the pit, but it, they were on stage, um, which is right. another thing I had never seen up to that point was okay. that, that was a bit, um, like at Chicago, but that that was a bit that they were costumed like the uh, the members of the ensemble, right. and right. they would come onto the stage, and I I guess I maybe one of the cops led them on, but they were led on, and then one of them sat down at the piano, and you realize they weren't members of the ensemble, um, which was so great, um, and the moment in the cop song, there. The first time I saw it, I'm just remembering this. There is a moment that, of course, you don't clock in the recording. But when they're talking about, the cops are talking about all of the people that they've caught peeing in public and then sent to Urinetown. And right. um, Julie Cassidy, um, Jacob Rosenblum, um, and the cops on stage would all point their flashlights to one person in the audience mm -hmm. um, to indicate that like, oh, wow, we found, and my friend Josh was Jacob Rosenblum the first time I saw it. Like we were sitting in those seats that were the plants sure. that all the cops like put their, their flashlight on. And that was another, I mean, it, that was just, that was just a really wonderful, wonderful moment to um share and i'm sure that every night the actors loved watching oh, whoever's yeah. face they saw just like light up and also be kind of bewildered um that they were suddenly part of of the show yeah in a very real in a, in a, in a super dark way of course yeah, yeah in a very dark way of it, yeah, so what else were your big comedic influences and enjoyments uh after after you're in town after you're i mean it's actually interesting that i mean well i am a millennial so i will say that like the simpsons was a huge sure. <laughs> influence on me um so, which is also in many ways a love letter to musical theater mm -hmm. um a lot of those i mean i think that probably um the monorail episode of The Simpsons or the Planet of the Apes musical episode of The Simpsons was just as influential on me as <laughs> many musicals I've seen. Sure. I hate every ape I see from chimpanzee to chimpanzee. No, you'll never make a monkey out of me. Oh my God. I was wrong, it was Earth all along, you finally made a monkey. Yes, we finally made a monkey. Yes, you finally made a monkey out of me. I love you, Dr. Zayas. really interested me as someone who eventually went into writing comedy and of course then when I started when I realized I was funny and that that was how I could be different um that was how I could be seen um and of course lean you know went through 15 years of leaning on that too heavily and had to reel myself back as you do um <laughs> It always came back to being a genuine, making that genuine experience, hitting upon that genuine thing, and also laughing about it. Liz, I have to ask you, what is your favorite song? Ooh, that's it's really hard. 
this this show more like everybody says that when I ask that question, this show more than most, though, like I'm reading the list of songs right now and I could give you like a top five without too much trouble. But then after that, it gets really hard to like to narrow yeah. it down. Because like, how do you choose between privilege to pee? And, <laughs> Great and the cop song. And also like there are moments in every song in your in town that yeah. I I mean like that are just these, really like really good. A lot of these songs aren't if you've never listened to this album what, what first of all what are you doing? But second of all it, 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 a lot a lot of these songs aren't basic like 4 minute music theater songs. They 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 are little Oh god, how do I say this without sounding pretentious? I can't. They're like little concertos onto their own. They like <laughs> Because they have little sections. They'll they'll do the main section and then they'll break off into a B section, which is a different melody and a different kind of song. And then they'll come back around again. But like you say, so they all have like stuff in them that that makes them it's like it's not my favorite song, but that part of that, you know, is, is that really part good. is one of yeah. And I like even like in Follow Your Heart at the end when they have this really genuine musical, beautiful moment together. I have a very yeah. clear memory in camp of um not even mo- someone else's cabin they were just playing that um the lo- the lyric the um the all laughter and gladness when they harmonize in this beautiful yeah. storing way if only i follow your Just playing those same ten seconds over and over, and over. You, would, you wouldn't have known it was a comedy. You were just right. like, "What are you?" But like, there are moments like that. I have to say, I have to say though, I don't. Ah, my, I, so I can tell hard. you my favorite. If, if, yes, if it helps. My favorite is "Tell Her I Love Her." I I think the the meandering. Tell Her I Love Her is one of those songs that the more you listen to it goes from uproariously funny to incredibly dark and sad. And then yeah. starts to like, once you realize that like, so to, to set it up for the audience, if you don't know, Tell Her I Love Her is, is the song after Bobby is, is sent to here in town, after he's killed, he's thrown off this really high building and then little Sally finds him. And she goes back to the group of rebels and relays everything he said. And it is this like long meandering monologue of a man who's had a traumatic head injury. (laughs) He said, tell all the people, tell them the time is always now, tell them to fight for what they know is right. I've lost my sense of sight, and yet I see them. I see them standing hand in hand. I see them standing hand in hand, and cheek to cheek and glad to glad. He still is hope, I see it in this land. And I just find it the perfect blend of dark and funny, and I can't stop listening to it. I just—it's so, so good. And I remember so in the wild. show when she was when little Sally is relaying the story, um, members from the ensemble would come on stage for Bobby to. Sally starts telling the audience what, or um the the citizens of of Urinetown, um, what Bobby was saying. And as she is talking and mouthing the lyrics, Hunter Foster comes out and, and sings them. Um, and I remember the ensemble coming out with the chair and then Hunter Foster standing on the chair and they had that fog in a can and they mm-hmm. would, right before he would talk every time, like it was just a really great, you'd hear like, <laughs> um, and then he would call things pickle in the brine. Um, right. That's a good choice. 
That is, yeah, that's so much fun. It's I love so that song. fun. And and also at the end, yes, very sad. Very, yeah, very, very sad. You go, very, on, you very go on a sad. journey. Yeah. Um, I think I really, I mean, Run Freedom Run is kind of, I think it would be cheating to say that that's your favorite because I feel like that has been elevated to the musical theater canon of favorites. Yeah. Run freedom run, run song which i know is like kind of i thought a, you were gonna go cop song well you talked yeah. about it at the beginning yeah yeah i it's think really it's really good a, you're not like it's, it's, really it's not a bad choice at all it's a really good just, song i think it's like it's just a weird because it's it's a lot of patter speaking it's not like a very mm. like singy song um when the cops come out and talk about all of the public urinators that they've sent to urine town and it's early in the show but yeah, I think it's... there's something about like the jaunty like beat of it that just mm-hmm. gets gets in in my head. I have sure. to go, yeah. Cop song. Cop, I think pick. I'm doing cop song. Go cop song. Wow. Solid pick. Yeah. Thank you. See, you learned Thank something. You. <laughs> <laughs> I learned something about myself. There today. you are. Look at this. We're all go on yeah. a journey. Oh gosh, listen. This was so much fun. Thank you so much for doing this. Where uh, let let people know where they can find you on the internet. Um, well, actually, if you find me, just let me know. Um, because I don't always because <laughs> I'm out there and I don't know what's going. <laughs> on. I'm out there, but like, what? Um, I am on Twitter at the Liz Wasser. Um, W A S S E R. Um, I write stuff for medium um that sounds like it's a publication it's not anyone could write stuff for medium but i have stuff on medium um i actually um my big victory right now is that i designed um the this one of the shirts for into the woods the moo shirt um because my best friend is playing um is playing milky white he was milky white on broadway he's now milky white on the tour and i made him for his birthday, a sweatshirt that said Moo, and now it is merch that is taking the, so please buy a Moo shirt. I'm sure it's on playbill.com. Go see sure. the tour. I'll probably sell some out of the trunk of my car at some point. Um, that's like my real, that's my real claim to fame. I think there you go. Hey. that's my legacy on this spinning rock. Then I will have, I will have it's done a, my job. It's a really good shirt. I don't think like, you know, you could do a lot worse in this life than design a really good shirt. I'll tell you that. Long <laughs> shirt. Hey. It's the one that gets in your head and it does, right. But you made a tangible thing. That's always good. I made a thing. Look, I made a shirt. If there's one thing I've learned in my many years of enforcing the laws of this city, it's that the journey down to Urinetown offers no surprises. Not even from the very toughest among us. On that journey, expect only the expected. Well, it's a hard, cold tumble of a journey worthy of a gurney, a bumble down, a slapped face, smacked with a mace, certain to debase as I stumble down. It's a path that I lead you only one place, horrible to retrace, a crumble down, a hard, cold tumble of a journey, jumble of a journey to urine town. Julie Cassidy went to a field behind a tree, saw there was no one who could see her pee. But me and Jacob Rosenblum thought he was safe up in his room. Didn't know the jars he kept up there would obligate a trip to a urine tomb. <laughs> well, there are those who think our method's vicious, overly malicious, a bunch of brutes, but it's we who gather for the people. Cabin to the steeple, lawful fruits, our task, bring a little order. Swindle out a hoarder. From what he loots as the book says, certainly a season. Trample out of treason with hobnail boots. The original cast is produced and edited by me, Patrick Flynn. Please rate and review the original cast on your podcatcher of choice. It's the easiest way to help other listeners find the show. Go to bit.ly slash originalcaststore for original cast merchandise like t-shirts, tote bags, and more. Become a patron of the original cast at patreon.com slash originalcaststore 
Original Cast Pod, so you can listen to our bonus podcast, The Original Cast, at the movies. On the socials, we're at Original Cast Pod. Special thanks to our social media manager, Bethany Zalecki. Hi, Bethany. My thanks to Liz Wasser for coming and talking to me. I'm Patrick Flynn, and I can't. I have rehearsal. Julie Cassidy. Jacob Rosenblum. Roger Something to debase as I stumble down, it's a